Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm here with Allison from the Fertility Hope Desk. I'm super excited to have her on because I think we have a lot in common. Our own personal stories have brought us here to give you guys support and guidance so we can make, you know, make your journey a little bit less long, chaotic, you know, um, all those things. So welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk today. Yeah, so we were just talking before, but let our listeners who don't know who you are, just a little bit about yourself and what led you to create the Fertility Hope Desk. Yeah, so my name's Allison Schaff, and I was just saying before that, you know, as it, with I think most people that end up in the fertility world, it's kind of like you end up there not expecting to be there, right? So like I, you know, knew I wanted to have a family. Um, my husband and I started trying and ran into the issue of not only having a miscarriage, but then having multiple recurrent miscarriages and just really feeling at a loss of like, wow, I didn't realize this could happen. Like I, you know, I had a, you know, I had some friends that had mis- a, miscar- a miscarriage, but like having them back to back, like what was happening to me just felt um, I felt very alone and like there weren't really resources out there for me. And so um, in going through all of that, I definitely felt called to create something specifically for people struggling with miscarriage. And that's where I, um, I also had a background as an entrepreneur. So kind of always was into creating, um, you know, resources to help people. So that's the inspiration behind Miscarriage Hope Desk. Yeah. And yeah. so in your journey, um, what were the doctors saying about your reoccurring miscarriages? Yeah. So early on, um, I was actually, I don't know if you'd say lucky, but like I did have a doctor that, um, after the second miscarriage said, let's do some testing, um, found out I had a blood clotting issue called antiphospholipid syndrome. Um, in some ways that gave me kind of like maybe more confidence than I should have had because I, you know, went to like, Oh, now I found my, and I found the the thing I can fix it. Right. Like I can do the Lovenox and do the the, the protocol. So went in and did that for the third pregnancy. I actually did make it um, further along, but unfortunately ended up, um, miscarrying there as well. Um, went through kind of (laughs) two more miscarriages and actually shifted and ended up um, adopting for my my first son just because um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that struggle with infertility can relate like I just felt like I was on this downward spiral and I like couldn't get out of it and I was like I need to shift my focus away from kind of me and my body and like all of these things and figure that out but I wanted to give myself the time and space to do that and 
for us, um, me, I like adoption was always something I'd kind of like planned on doing at some point. I just figured it would be like, I don't know, you know, you have these plans with how you're going to build your family. And now I just kind of, I think I have like that much control, but, um, you know, I did think adoption would be eventually part of my, my journey. So, um, we, we did that and then actually went to IVF, um, and ended up with no viable embryos, which was kind of crazy considering the fact that I, you know, for the most part got pregnant fairly easily. I think even the doctors were pretty shocked about that. And, um, you know, it was at that point, you know, very low, right? Like I'd had all these miscarriages and then I was like, well, let me try IVF. And if nothing else, I can have these embryos and maybe I'll have some options of like different ways we can move forward if I'm not able to carry. And when that didn't work, it was pretty devastating. But then, you know, I think it was the second cycle after that, I got pregnant with my son and, you know, had this, you know, healthy pregnancy. And um, another issue, because you asked the question was, you know, what, what issues and um, I mean, ultimately I won't know all of them. Right. But like my, my husband also found out that he had um, firm DNA fragmentation. So I do believe that that contributed to some of our miscarriages as well. Um, uh, male factors are something I like to talk a lot about, especially with miscarriage because infertility in general, I think the, the man is ignored a lot. Um, and especially with miscarriage, I've had several doctors say, well, you're getting pregnant. So it's not the sperm, but the quality of the embryo is still a 50, 50 thing. So, um, you know, I do like to remind people that with miscarriage, you should still be looking into both, you know, egg and sperm health and issues with the male and female factors. So I do think that maybe there were both kind of issues on each, both sides at play for us. 100%. Um, it, it's such a, like a shitty thing that the women just get like, well, it's you, you know, your husband's sperm is fine with the generic testing that they do. And um, <laughs> it's just not true. And when you are dealing with those factors, you got to come in at so many different angles um, because mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's various things. Um, my first IVF too was a com- like a complete failure. It was like a super shambles, like no viable embryos. And you're just like, yeah. the doctors are so shocked. You're like young, you're fit. Like at that time, like I wasn't having reoccurring miscarriages, but I wasn't getting pregnant at all. Like not even a whiff of like two pink lines. And uh-huh. um yeah, like you just think, well, IVF is, is gonna, you know, give us the baby, but, um, yeah, it gives you answers. <laughs> um, some of them you might not like, but, um, it's that information. So on your second cycle, was there anything that you changed up between? Oh, I didn't know so it wasn't my second cycle of IVF, just my second like cycle afterwards. I, oh, you got afterwards. pregnant actually afterwards. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. You just like automatically go there. Cycle two different meanings there but yeah I just got pregnant on my own and um yes like we actually had decided that we were going to do another round of IVF but we were going to revisit the protocol also do like kind of 90 days of like very like go all in on you know supplements and lifestyle I mean in the past I'd done that like I've always been gluten-free I've done a year off of dairy and all that but like we really both me and my husband were in the middle of doing kind of a you know, no sugar, no alcohol, no caffeine, just like all of the things, like, let's really like, if we're going to do this again, like, let's go all in. So we were in the middle of doing all of that. And I'm sure that um, helped, right. Um, And 
you know, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, again, like you don't know what the thing was or if there was a thing and um, what's at play there. But I um, do think that for sure the, you know, going in on lifestyle and all of that helps. 100%. I mean, the thing is, is in some situations, you can't pinpoint it. Um, but you definitely, I feel that it's, is um, like a continual thing, right? So I think you made the right decision for you and your body to go, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to rest. I'm going to adopt. I'm going to yeah. feel this joy with my son. I'm going to move forward with my life. And just that act alone is so powerful mm-hmm. for not only your mental health, but your, for your physical health, right? It's all connected. And um, I think IVF is, is very similar to a test or like a diagnosis, right? Like it's, it's a, sh- a snapshot in time and yeah. you can't really determine your outcome from that one event right? People are left (laughs) devastated. Like the doctors literally told us there's nothing you can do. You have low A quality, you're 30. That's it. Try another round of IVF. And at the time it wasn't like we were super knowledgeable and like, ha ha ha, we'll show you. It was just like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would I just jump into another round of IVF when it didn't work? Um, Yeah. Like you, it was like, well, probably not as smart as you, but a friend recommended diet and lifestyle changes and that like, put us on this new journey. Um, Mm -hmm. I can tell you exactly like why my natural pregnancy worked, but only because I was like, so in depth with every step, but our last medical treatment was with two frozen embryos. Um, they look good. We didn't have them genetically tested, but they look good. I had the diet. I had the lifestyle. I had the immune suppressing drugs. I had the whole caboodle and I still had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can feel like you're doing everything right and you're failing, especially with medical treatment, because it is literally a yes or a no with it, but Mm -hmm. it's really important to understand that doesn't, that doesn't dictate your outcome in like the future, right? Yeah. Like both of us, like for me, it was two cycles later, I got pregnant naturally after that. So it's really important to know like every step of your journey is important. And when you feel like you're failing, it's not a failure. It's just another chapter in your journey and you get to decide where you want to go, right? Like we're definitely both not here saying, just keep trying, keep going, keep going. You've got to listen to your body. And if, if it's time to stop and recoup and heal, then that's, that's your next step. Yeah. But also to your point, it's kind of like, if you could look into the future and that's especially with adoption because our adoption happened like way faster than is <laughs> really normal or to be expected but i always would say if i think if i knew in the moment like when it was going to happen i wouldn't have ever been so you know stressed and anxious which you shouldn't you know you're trying to like not be stressed and anxious and so i tried to remind myself of that of like wow sitting here so if there's someone listening to this and they're like oh I just feel like it's never going to happen. But if you actually knew the day, then you could just like calm down and breathe. And that's what you need to know is to be able to trust like, oh, it is going to happen. And if I knew, like when I went through that failed cycle, if I knew, well, but in two months, you're going to be pregnant. I could have just, you know, chilled and like not been so devastated. But 
it's hard to know that in the moment, but like, wow, it really is going to get better. So. Percent. Um, when I first started this podcast, it was like the, the infertile diagnosis and hindsight's a bitch, right? Like it's easy uh-huh. to sit here and say, do those things, oh. but we both know in the middle of it, it it's, it's it feels impossible. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, was there anything mindset um, that you did to kind of reframe your journey of the fertility issues literally taking over your life to shift it into, right, I'm living my life while dealing with fertility issues? Yeah, I mean, I think there was some of that that definitely happened along the way. I mean, for me, the big shift and pivot was like deciding to take that focus off and and focus on um, adopting. And one thing though, that did happen is I did. So in the things that they always say, right, it's like, oh, as soon as you adopt, it'll just happen. It's like just magic. Right. And it did happen. Right. So after, right. The fifth miscarriage actually was two weeks after we adopted. So I got a positive pregnancy test and I was, I was ecstatic. I'm like, here it is. Here's what everyone said was the secret sauce. Like, it's just going to be like, my kids are going to be nine months apart, you know? And of course that didn't happen. Like I did miscarry right away then. So, um, there, and then I did actually make the decision. I was like, look, we have a new baby. I want to enjoy this. Like, I don't even want to have the thing of like, let's, if it happens, it happens. Like we actually did. I was like, I need to stop for the next, you know, six months. We can go back and do some testing, but I want to actually like enjoy the six months and not be on the fertility train and be into that. So we did make that decision um, to just kind of like put that to the side and like trust that we had time and, and we did. And I'm, I'm glad. And I think then going into it again, it really allowed me to come into it with a a change of mindset. And like you said, you know, being around a baby and having all of that kind of just changes your, your outlook. A hundred percent. In between our last, our last two frozen embryo transfers for various different reasons, um, we didn't try naturally. And Uh um, I never really thought about it until you just said, but it was a very amazing, great time of peace. Because as you know, Mm -hmm. you've literally lived like six years of your life in a two week wait cycle or in an IVF cycle. Mm -hmm. And to just release that. And it's one of the things that I say to my clients is that if you're dealing, especially if you're dealing with deep rooted autoimmune issues, I advise you to use protection to stop trying Mm -hmm. uh, one for that mental clarity and two, when you're healing, your body will eventually reach a point to uh, get like to a certain point of pregnancy, but it might not be able to maintain that pregnancy. And then once Mm -hmm. again, you're thrown into the heartbreak of miscarriages, your psych, you know, like there's a lot of recovery time physically and mentally from miscarriages. And Mm -hmm. if we can just shift that mindset of the time poor that we all feel during infertility and they like, Hey, time is actually on our side. Our bodies want to do this. We just need to give it the right direction to where to go. Um, Mm -hmm. And for most people, 
it will eventually do that with or without medical assistance. Yeah, no, and I see that a lot, especially with the, you know, with the recurrent losses of like, oh, well, the best way to get over this is to just get pregnant again. And that is just like, the, and I'm, I feel like I fell trapped to that a few times, right? Of like, oh, well, let me just keep trying because as soon as I get pregnant, this will heal any hurt that I have from this past miscarriage. And really, you know, looking back and easier to like, again, this hindsight thing, but you know, looking back, if I could have said, Hey, look, like, let me take a month or two and just like really heal. And, and I did do that then eventually along the way, but, you know, just, um, it is so important to take that time for yourself. And that way, when it, you know, it does come time to fall pregnant again, you're ready. And again, physically, yes, but also mentally and emotionally. And I think sometimes those are overlooked, especially by doctors. They're not sitting there asking you like, Hey, are you emotionally ready? Are you sure? You know, a doctor is not going to say that. So you need to advocate yourself and ask yourself that question. Yeah. Which is hard. And I know I've admitted this before on the podcast is that my first miscarriage was my first pregnancy. And that happened like six years into my journey. And so I kind of was still putting up these blocks of like, I'm tough, like, you know, like I'm okay. And I didn't really take the time to mourn it. I was, I was, I know it's awful to say, but like, I was happy I could just get pregnant. Like that was something I didn't believe I could do for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. in hindsight, we just put the like happy shades on and you know, I took the summer off and I started drinking again. And like, it just wasn't necessarily a good time to grieve. And now that I'm doing like all this emotional trauma work, I'm like, okay, I can like start grieving my babies. And I always feel so both of my boys are rainbow babies. And especially Mm -hmm. my last one, um, because my second miscarriage was really like, we were blindsided by it. We were so confident it was going to work that we were really blindsided. And Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until my son was born and I could realize that I had to lose those babies to have him because he was the one that was meant to be here. And it's so bittersweet, but you have to, you know, yeah, those two just weren't meant for me and weren't meant for our family because I we transferred two embryos I was supposed to be pregnant with twins right Beyonce was pregnant I saw two egg yolks like it was meant to be (laughs) until it wasn't and it's it's really hard to see that in the moment but after the fact that yeah it's he your two sons were meant to be in your life well, yeah, and I had exactly a very similar, I mean, a different situation, but very much the same. So that third pregnancy I mentioned that was like my really, out of all of them, the toughest miscarriage where I had the confidence that you said that you had. So I was on the new protocol. I made it to like, I think it was like the 10-week appointment. Um, at the time, again, like the most devastating prime moment of my life. And then when we went to adopt, um, that night, you know, when I was there at the hospital, I asked. I pulled up my phone and I could never get the dang, um, you know, pregnancy, the, you know, pregnancy tracker off my phone that showed the week of pregnancy I would be in. And it, cause it removed from my computer, but it would not leave my phone. And it said that I would have been 30 and a half weeks pregnant. And so I went up to the nurse and I said, so cause the closed adoption. And I said, how far along was the mom when she gave birth? And she said, 38 and a half weeks. And I'm like, 
I mean, my whole body, I was like, this is my baby, right? Like to this whole time, like I was pregnant and like praying for this baby. And I thought it was a baby in my belly. And sure enough, like my son was there. He was waiting for me. It was just, you know, it was not the plan that I had in mind. Oh my God. I've got goosebumps. Yeah. That is such an amazing story. And I've had um, another woman, Brittany, on to the podcast and sh- to talk about her adoption story. And it's very similar to her. It was like that baby was hers, right? Like it there's, was yeah, when it actually happens, right? It's mm-hmm. just like in the moment you don't know, but then when you look back, you're like, wow, all of this really was falling into place. So, yeah. What's your advice to women to help get to that place before it happens now? right? Like using your wisdom, your hindsight, your experience, like, is there like one kind of phrase or mantra that you can say, or you encourage women to do to get to that place sooner? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard because it depends on, on where you're at. I mean, breathing is like the biggest thing, right? Just like learning to breathe in silence, right? Like going on a walk in silence. <laughs> um, I've used a lot of mantras throughout my journey. It kind of depends. Like, so even, you know, if you do like once I would get pregnant, like that's when I really leaned heavy into mantras, right? Like today I am pregnant because being pregnant after going through miscarriage, it can be really hard. And like, you want to enjoy your pregnancy, but then you've got all these other worries. And so um, that's where I feel like once I was pregnant, I had to like lean into like all these practices even harder because I did want to allow myself to enjoy the pregnancy and I had to be very intentional and purposeful in terms of like allowing myself to feel the joy of pregnancy and realizing like, look, no matter what happens, I am going to enjoy this pregnancy, right? Like if I miscarry again, like that's going to suck. Like it's going to be awful, but me like not enjoying the pregnancy now is not going to make that miscarriage any less awful, right? Like just allow yourself to enjoy and and get excited. And I think you can do that in in other parts of the journey too, of like, look, allowing yourself to kind of be calm and relaxed and (laughs) joyful and excited, like allow yourself to get excited. And then if it doesn't happen or something goes wrong, then yeah, that's going to suck. But you protect, it's like you go into this protection mode of trying to protect yourself. And it really just, it doesn't protect you. It really just, doesn't allow you to feel like those fun feelings that you could feel if you allowed it. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. It's that protection thing that everyone does. And I think we do it more so during infertility. And I know now that it actually doesn't protect you and it encourages um, like almost shit to happen, right? Like, yeah my, I Mm -hmm. used to say, if I get pregnant, like all the time, that's what I would say to protect myself. If it doesn't really matter if, and this was like way before I got into mindset work, but I just changed the if to when, when Mm -hmm. I get pregnant. And so subconsciously you're telling yourself like it's going to happen. So let's do the physical things to make it happen. Where if you're sat there saying I'm broken, I'm infertile, I can't get pregnant you know, all those things, subconsciously, you keep just supporting yourself, and you're Mm going to do physical actions. So I don't think you have a great control of when, when you get pregnant, I think it's written in the stars. Like, 
just with your health, it's a long buildup to your physical things that are going to produce the outcome. So if you feel like you did something on the Tuesday and then you had the miscarriage on the Thursday, it doesn't work that way. Like that's not how your body works. So um, that's why we encourage women to take that three to six months to really build up that strength and that healing in your body to maintain that pregnancy. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, do you feel you could be really honest in this community because my community is, is, is growing a tough skin. (laughs) Do you feel in the infertility world that there is this kind of negative, um, negative feeling, negative emotions that we hang on to and that we talk kind of in a negative way about our fertility, that we are our diagnosis, that we are our infertility instead of flipping it around like, I'm dealing with fertility issues. Like we hold on to the fertility issues. Do you see that? Yeah, I think it can be hard to like redefine and like let go of. And um, one thing, this isn't exactly what you're talking about, but like one thing I've noticed a lot in like with the miscarriage community is when I built miscarriage hope desk, I thought it would be people that are like struggling with it right now. And the thing that surprised me is how many women were attracted to our platform and like became a part of the audience that had had a miscarriage like several years prior. Like they had kids already, like they were done with all, like it was like so far in the past yet they were so attracted to um, kind of like, you know, like an Instagram post or something or like messaging because they'd never gone through it. Right. Like it was like, it still stuck with them. And that's kind of like what you were talking about earlier, like, you know, needing to release that and like go through the emotions and to realize like, if you don't do it now, it's going to come up later. And so I was surprised of like, I will still have women reach out like to me privately and be like, look, I had a miscarriage like five years ago. I've never told anyone. Um, Like maybe I only told my husband, maybe I didn't even tell my husband, but like these women that have never, and it doesn't need to be like, oh, I want to share it publicly on a Facebook post, but, you know, at least share with like some friends and some family members, or, you know, and you'd be surprised when you start sharing like the friends that you might not expect that have gone through something similar um, and then moving past it. Yes. So I think (laughs) coming back to the original question of like, going through the feelings and grieving and going through the process, but then kind of like there is another side to it, right? And not getting stuck in that. Um, So figuring out kind of those tools of like, how do I get unstuck from this defining me and just like moving through it, like feeling the feelings and then moving on and redefine and be like, this is something that happened to me in the past, but this doesn't define who I am in the future. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, I feel like it's a really important place to be striving towards right like it's Mm -hmm. not going to happen overnight I feel like I'm still dealing with stuff you know like but when I started sharing when I started the podcast and really started being vocal on social media um, this is when I started realizing that I had some PT post-traumatic stress like I I had like Mm -hmm. I didn't deal with that stuff. I kind of just buried it away because I was a strong girl. I didn't cry. I just got on with it. Like no one would have realized um, I was dealing with heart. I mean, all all our friends and family knew we never kept it a secret, but Mm -hmm. you know, I never was publicly crying on camera or even crying to my friends 
Like my husband's probably the only one that seen me cry over it. Like everyone else saw my brave face and I was just getting on with it. Um, So I do think holding space for yourself and finding that community and that support is, is crucial to releasing it and moving on, not moving on, but honoring your children, your angels, Mm -hmm. honoring yourself of what you went through and then thriving in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and one thing that I will throw out there that was so um, instrumental to me and like kind of helping with all that was, um, and I know there's a lot of different modalities out there, but um, in therapies, there's one called EMDR and it helps you to work through traumatic events. And I, I've realized like one of my miscarriages, I had a therapist was like, oh yeah, that was like a trauma. And that really kind of like changed my mind. Like, wow, yeah, I went through something really traumatic. But then with EMDR, like I didn't realize how much I needed it until I got into actually doing it. And I was like, wow, I have held up all of these memories and it helps to kind of reprocess those memories and helps you to process those emotions. And I didn't do that until after my son was born. I mean, think if I could have done that before, but like that tool has been so amazing and helping me to like process through um, a lot of those um, miscarriages. So anyone, and I think any, there's so much in the infertility world, even if it's not a miscarriage, maybe it's like, you know, a failed cycle or some, a failed transfer, something like that can be very traumatic. And so finding a tool like EMDR or some sort of therapy that can help you process that is like really it needs to happen it's again like I said it's if it doesn't happen now it's gonna have to happen later because those don't just go away over time 100% I use something similar emotion emotional freedom tapping and um yeah man like some of the memories you're like what the fuck like how (laughs) like that's crazy and they for me I haven't felt I've needed to work anything through infertility it's all repressed childhood stuff and it's really weird when you get into it because you're like I had a happy childhood you know like I I I feel very lucky the childhood that I have compared if you're gonna do a comparison game and it's like Mm -hmm. But why was I dealing with an, a full-blown autoimmune issue at se- like undiagnosed at 17? Um, why did I not feel worthy of becoming a mom? Why did I not feel worthy of love and acceptance and help and support? And why didn't I f- feel like I couldn't cry, right? Like all these things. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think... Um, I think our generation of women who dealt with fertility issues back in the early 2000s just kind of started seeking out different modalities of holistic things because we weren't getting either the answers or the support from the traditional medical system. And we've kind of unleashed this like can of worms of like, okay, we want to help you get pregnant, but we want to help you become a conscious mother because you need to, Mm -hmm. we all need to start raising conscious children. So they're not dealing with these issues that we're dealing with. Obviously there's genetic stuff that, you know, that's like a whole different conversation, but um, it's really important. 
and it's baby steps, right? Like if you told me to do emotional freedom tapping like in my second year of infertility, I would have told you to fuck off. That's a woo woo. That's like weird. No way. And now I'm like neck deep in it. Right. So just yeah. be kind to yourself that if you don't feel like you connect to these things, just find what you can connect with and like keep going from there. Yeah. It's a journey one step at a time for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can connect with you. Um, so Miscarriage Hope Desk in all of the places. So on Instagram, it's at Miscarriage Hope Desk. Um, and that's the website. Uh, one thing I will mention on the website is we have a um, library of articles. And these are not like fluff pieces. That was the one thing that I was always um, really annoyed at was when you, you know, go to Google and find anything about you know, uh, say the antiphospholipid syndrome or sperm DNA fragmentation. It was just these articles that like treated us like we were in third grade. And I'm like, no, I want to know the research. I want to know the science. I want to know why this protocol. And so um, those articles are very in-depth. So if there's anything related to miscarriage, we've probably done a very in-depth article. So um, definitely check that out. And then um, we have a podcast, it's Miscarriage Hope Desk and a Facebook group. I'm probably missing some things, but oh, the main thing too is we also have a testing checklist. So that's something that's very popular. Um, so miscarriagehopedesk.com slash labs, and you can sign up and get a free download of our testing checklist. So you know that you're going in the right direction with testing. So. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for making this accessible for everyone and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and you know, putting a community together. I can't even speak. <laughs> it's getting hot here in Hawaii. Um, but yeah, all your information will be down in the show notes. And thank you so much uh, for taking the time and speaking with us. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm a big fan of what you are doing, helping women that are struggling. Um, we need more people out there like you. It's awesome. So keep it up. Oh, thanks. Right. We will connect soon. I'm sure. Have a beautiful day and we'll see you next week. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.